Hey, this is Rachel, and you're listening to the Mosaic Young Adult Podcast. To learn more about Mosaic Young Adults, visit us online at thisismosaic.org slash youngadults. We hope this podcast is simply part of a greater conversation you have with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to invite up our panelists up all together. Y'all can come up. You can give a hand of applause, round of applause. Put your hands together. Here we go. You can, whoever wants to sit next to me, I'm sitting here. So, yes, I got Joel. Okay. I love you, Caesar. I love you, Joel. And so, oh, thank you. Oh, I got two. Little do you know, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom halfway. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Um, before we begin, I just want to take a second to introduce uh, our panelists. And you might know some of them. Uh, you might know none of us. It might be your first time, and so welcome. Um, I'm going to start with the person to my left. It is my pastor. It is your pastor. It is Joel Kaufman. Pastor. <laughs> I took that from Jen White, and she, I just use it all the time now. Uh, Joel. That is 100% the best introduction I've ever received. <laughs> uh, Joel, would you like to tell us who you are, and what did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh, I'll answer it this way. Um, So I've been a part of Mosaic for a long time. Uh, In 2009, I came on staff here, and it was originally to work with young adults. Yes, indeed. Uh, So um, for many, many, how many of you guys were born in the early to mid-2000s? Anybody? Yes, a few of you guys. So right around that time, I was starting to work with young adults. So I am no longer a young adult. Uh, but I love, love, love uh, this um, time of life. Um, man, I will tell you what, God um, uses young adults in powerful ways uh, every day in our community and all around the world. And I do believe that this community, what God has placed here is powerful, um, that God can and will uh, use you in great and mighty ways um, as we get to know who God is more. Um, as we understand who he is and what he's empowered us to do, um, man, there is uh, nothing that we can accomplish on our own, but all things are possible with God. And so I'm, ex- I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, what, do I want, what did I want to be when I grew up? I don't know, some sort of professional athlete, but uh, look at me. So, <laughs> um, but as a, as a kid, people would always kind of speak into my life. Hey, I think you're called to ministry. Think you're called to ministry. Think you're called to ministry for years and years and years and years and years. And uh, finally surrendered to that call and have been uh, just pumped to be a part of God's kingdom through these years. So thanks for having me tonight. Wow. Uh, Can't stop from preaching. (laughs) Jade's only applauding for me because she hopes that we applaud for her later. So Uh, so Jade, uh, tell us a little bit who you are and what you wanted to be when you were a kid, like a year ago. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. She's an adult. I'm a big girl. You're a big girl. I was born before 2000. Look at you. <laughs> um, what was the first question? <laughs> a little bit by your, <laughs> a little bit by yourself, and uh, and what you wanted to be when you were a kid. Oh, a little bit by myself. I thought you told me I was all by myself, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm Jade, and I came to Mosaic in 2016. And I got to serve with everybody. Hi, Kevin Richardson. Give it up for Kevin. Hey. 
Um, but yeah, so I got to be a part of some stuff. I got to intern, got to hang out with these people in Italy. We went to Italy together. Fun fact. Um, but just recently, I actually moved to Jacksonville to work at a church there that is kind of like a friend to Mosaic, a church friend. Um, and yeah, I get to work there and I do HR there. Ooh. <laughs> Um, when I was younger, I didn't want to do that. I, <laughs> I wanted to be a lawyer. Judges do. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't make it to being a lawyer or a judge. Yeah, you're in HR. And that's I'm in for HR. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. Amen. By go. his grace. By his grace. Alone. Alone. Faith alone. Anyway. Uh, in my total depravity. Okay, here we go. Uh, Jen Richardson, y'all. I want you to know there's never a time where Jen's on the panel where she doesn't get the most applause, which is, which is like right. It say, should be this way. Like, I'm not... It's me, Jen. <laughs> it's me, Jen. I feel like I start every time I talk by saying that. They love it. Um, it's me, Jen. Uh, hello. I am Jen. I am married to that guy, Kevin Richardson, that just, you all just clapped for. Um, we have been married for 16 years. We have three kids. Uh, we moved to uh, Florida for Mosaic four years ago, which is crazy. It's already been four years. And we love it. We love it here. Um, now I have a really funny what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> None of you will ever guess. Uh, you know that I grew up in Canada because I've said that before. So it has something to do with being super Canadian. <laughs> a bacon person. A logger. A hockey player? Something with hockey. I didn't want to be the hockey player. I wanted to be the person that drew, drove the Zamboni. <laughs> That's all I wanted to do in life was to grow up and be the Zamboni driver. You know, we have a Zamboni here at Mosaic. You can drive Every anytime. time I tell somebody that, Jeff's like, I will make that happen for you. funny. Like in like 20, 30 years, you're just, we just see Jen with the Zamboni through Mosaic. Yeah. Just, <laughs> we do have a lot of questions. <laughs> Thank you for keeping us on track. Yeah, Joel whispered, we have a lot of questions. We do have a lot of questions. Um, we do have a ton, actually. And so uh, just quickly, um, before we go to the first question, um, I just want you all to know, uh, great submissions. Uh, we want to try to answer all of them. We may not be able to. And if we don't, it's nothing personal. But if you walk away thinking, man, I still really want uh, the answer, that question answered, and I, it's really pertinent uh, to my journey with Jesus to know that answer, uh, come find one of us after uh, this panel's over, and we'd love to have that discussion with you. Um, but if it's a question that's more sensitive in nature, you can, again, feel free to pull one of us aside, and we can find a way to uh, journey with you through some of the questions you're asking. Um, and if you are here and wanting to, don't have your notes or don't have a notebook or anything like that, uh, we have a podcast uh, You can on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Mosaic and Adults, just plugging it in there. You can look, look at it again and re-listen to this um, as we move forward. So uh, the first question, it was the most, um, most requested question. Can you request it? Yeah, right? Most asked question, there's the word. The most asked question um, simply was, how can I know that I'm hearing the voice of God? How do I know it's not my thoughts or the devil's voice? How can I tell it's God? Um, I think this is a question that I think I'd love for each of us to try to chime into, but, but Joel, would you like to begin this uh, conversation? I would like to say ladies first. 
Okay. And uh, <sighs> and hear from you guys because I think you um, have a lot of insight to bring uh, to this. And then I'll share uh, as well. Um, yeah. So I will, for me, I think that I kind of think through what are what is it that I am hearing or feeling. And I think I hold that against one, who is, who, what is God's character, right? I, I know he is unchanging, steadfast. Um, and so I think about what the Bible says and who he says he is. And so I hold that against that. Is that in line with his character? Um, does it align with what the Bible says? Is it taking me in a different direction? Uh, does it produce fruit in me? Um, and do, do others in my biblical community affirm what it is that I'm hearing? Those are, the, those are my kind of things that I hold to that would kind of discern between God and um, the devil or Satan. I feel like Satan produces fear, shame, lies. Um, so really test and examine what you're feeling and hold it out in light bring it to community and talk through those things. That would be my starting point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I will add, that was such a great note of like, what do you know of God's character? Um, and adding to that, I can tell you that he's good, right? And I can tell you that the devil is evil. So kind of whenever there are thoughts coming to your mind, um, are they lies? You know, or are you feeling kind of like you're not sure what to do with that? And so I would say if you, if you don't know, you can remember that God is good and then you can go to his word and you can reread a million and one times, you know, who God is and what's his character. Um, and I would also add to that when it comes to discerning those thoughts, um, we shouldn't be leaning on our own understanding, right? So going to God, going to his word, and then also having really great godly counsel, older people in your life, um, godly friends who you can kind of be raw and honest with, right? And just say, these are the actual thoughts in my mind, um, or this is what I think God is telling me, or this is what I, this, I'm being honest with you. This is what's going on, right? And so that way they can join in prayer and, and uh, show you the word as well. Yeah, I think that, I mean, everything they said is great. If you just have that as your baseline, you're, you're, you're very safe in knowing that you're hearing um, the voice of God, um, that, that you are uh, not hearing uh, the voice of the enemy, right? I think um, where it gets a little confusing a lot of times is um, in these areas that are not necessarily black and white like written in scripture, like should I murder my boss. If I, if you're questioning, should you murder your boss? Um, and then there's a voice that says, yes, you can be assured. Right. So we, that's obvious. What's a lot trickier is like, Hey, should I continue to still pursue this relationship with this significant other? Right. Um, because what Bible verse are you going to look up about that? Right. Now there's principles in scripture um, and those are the, the, those are the things we lean on, right? But at the same time, um, it's important to um, have some baseline understanding of this is 
what God's voice sounds like. And that's where the word of God as our, what we go to, to know the character, the nature, uh, the, the, the way that God speaks to us um, through his word is the baseline understanding of the way his voice speaks to us. And I'm not necessarily talking about an audible voice. Of course, God can do that. That's not normative, but when he's speaking by his Holy Spirit through us about our life and decisions we should make and those sorts of things, um, how we know, oh, that sounds like God's voice to me is we use as our baseline, the word of God, right? And then in addition to that, I mean, everything Jen listed out, the word of God, um, you know, what's his character, what's his nature, what is scripture, um, and then also the community of God. Can I bounce that off those, you know, those, those things are a baseline for hearing and understanding the voice of God. And there are going to be times where it's like at the end of the day, we're not going to be 100% sure, like, is that God or are those my thoughts? And some of the ways that we can identify if it's just my thoughts or if it's just God's thoughts is, are these thoughts leading me towards Christ-likeness or are these thoughts leading me towards what I want? Um. And if I'm honest with myself, am I giving me, me an excuse in my flesh and I'm, I'm sanctifying it with God's voice? Or am I allowing the voice of God to, to lead me toward Jesus? Which that is what, I mean, you guys walked through in this series, John 14, John 15, you know, John 16, when Jesus is talking about what the Holy Spirit's going to do in our lives is that he's going to lead us and guide us to truth and he's going to point us to Jesus and he's going to lead us to righteousness and make us more like the son of God, right? And so those are the, those are the kind of things that we tether ourselves to as we discern, am I hearing the voice of God? The second thing I'll say, and this may touch on something we're going to get into later and then I'm done, is um, when you are saying, I think God's telling me this, that, or the other, for you, or especially if you're saying, I think God may have said this to me about someone else. That is very, very, very um, uh, tricky ground. Um, and we have to be really intentional to use words that recognize in humility our limitations because God can speak perfectly crystal clear. He's not limited, but we as human beings are often limited. In, in our ability to hear him perfectly crystal clear. So that's where the community of God comes in, where we say, hey, I think like what Jade was just saying, I think God may be saying this to me. I'm weighing it against the word of God. I don't see any clear principles this violates or even is supported by. Can you help me walk through this? Um, and being humble to the community of God with leaders in your lives, uh, pastors, um, mentors, other uh, mature uh, followers of Jesus that are in your lives. Uh, it's super key and super helpful. And over time, uh, you'll develop an understanding of like, oh, this is, this is the Lord. This is his, this is his, what he would speak over me versus these are my thoughts versus, you know, this is the enemy. Right. And so that's super helpful. Yeah. I, I, I'm appreciating the, some of the practical application of, of kind of what you're saying of there's a necessity of what is this voice guiding me to do? Um, and I, I, and that'll preach that are we, are we wanting to holify? Are we trying to make the process holy by saying, God told me I could go and ask this person out. And it's like, everyone told you, no, don't do that. Like, or the worst is God told me to break up with you. 
That is such a cop out. Just be a man or be a woman and like break up with somebody. Or you the know other what I'm one is God told me I'm going to marry you. Oh, that's, that's even, even worse. worse. You better turn the other way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit telling you to go uh, the opposite Which, way. Which, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily, okay, but just right, being very careful not to, uh, to, to use the voice of God as a way to manipulate mm. other people. Mm. It's really important. And I, and I will say, I think something that's been helped for me as I've considered, um, is, it, is it the voice of God? I, ha- I have to think of it in terms of intimacy because Jesus says, um, they will, my sheep will know my voice. Um, there are lots of voices out there, clearly. Like there's lots of voices internally, externally, just how, your own, how you're feeling, how others are telling you to think and feel and experience. And so there's lots of voices combating for space in your head. But Jesus says very clearly, my sheep will know my voice. But the only way you'll know that it's his voice is if you know who he is. So there's a sense where we can give you some of these practical things of, is it Jesus? Is it the devil? Is it my own thoughts? But the only way for you to actually apply that is if you know who he is. I've heard it once says, like, we say that God's not speaking, but we never open his word. Uh, God speaks very clearly and, and powerfully through this, through his scriptures. Uh, we don't make the time to sit and be quiet and say, God, would you speak? And then just wait. Except we just want to quickly go from thing to thing and hoping that he'll, that we'll pick up something and be like, oh, I think that's God. And then you go with that. And like, if you really want God to answer that and you think it's important, then I think it's important enough to wait to actually hear him and give him the space uh, to speak. But that comes from a place of intimacy. Um, so, okay, so I kind of just want to touch on this quickly. Uh, some people say, someone asked, some people say they hear audibly the voice of God, but I've never heard him. Is something wrong with me? Does God not want to speak to me? We can, I'm going to go reverse order. So maybe go here and then we'll. I have never heard the audible voice of God. So I'm with you, whoever you are. Um, would that be the most amazing, coolest thing ever in the history of time? Absolutely, right? Um, do I long for that? Sure. Yeah, I would love to, to be that confident that it was God speaking to me. Um, the other thing I would just tell you, like, generally, like, Christians say a lot of things. You know, like... Not every Christian that claims something happened means it happened. I'm sorry, you know? And if you're here and you're, you're not a Christian, you're like, wow, I can't believe he admitted that. But it's true. Like, we're not 100% reliable, you know? What I will tell you is, is this. Um, I think hearing the audible voice of God, I think it is something that we should maybe long for or desire um, in terms of just knowing him more, Right? Um, experiencing him more tangibly, more palpably, I suppose. Um, but man, like, you know, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, like, blessed are you who see and believe, but blessed are those who don't see and believe. Like, there's a blessing in like this faith journey that we have. I read this book uh, by uh, Philip Yancey called Reaching for the Invisible God. And it was just kind of like a faith journey of like, how do you grapple with and wrestle with this 
idea that there's this like sovereign God who created and sustains all things, who revealed himself in Jesus, who died on the cross and resurrected on the third day and ascended to the Father and sent his spirit. And now we're supposed to just believe by faith that he exists, right? Um, but there's also something like so beautiful in a faith that like hasn't necessarily had those like empirical scientific experiences that can be undeniably nothing but God, right? And I think there's actually something beautiful about that type of childlike faith that Jesus said is required to enter the kingdom. And I think that's why God doesn't, often doesn't reveal himself to us in such palpable, tangible ways is because there's something beautiful about faith. Adam and Eve had presence of God in the cool of the day. And it was a lack of faith and trust in God that broke relationship between humanity and God in the very first place. And so I think there is an element of faith baked into the gospel for a reason. (laughs) And if God were to simply just reveal himself in a scientifically empirical way, meaning my senses have heard him, my hearing has heard him, for the masses of humanity. I mean, I I used to ask this question all the time. Why doesn't God just appear in the clouds and convert everybody? I mean, really, it's funny to think about. Like, it's okay to laugh at that because it's funny to think about. Why wouldn't God do that? You know? And so when you're asking, why doesn't God speak audibly to me? Like, it's probably the same reason he doesn't go to the sky and convert everybody and like, It's because God desires us to trust in him and to believe in him, even when we don't have that empirical evidence that, especially as Western thinkers, we want. There we go. Um, That was great. I will say I have never audibly heard the voice of God either, Um, but I did write some notes because sometimes I, I remember being and thinking like, well, how does God speak? Like, how do I hear God? What does that actually look like? Um, And so I just wanted to share ways that I feel like God does speak to me. Um, And it will look different or some of these I think are the ways that God does speak, but but some might be different for you. Um, And one is through Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. So what Jesus says is, what God sounds like. And so again, back to the Bible, um, when we read and we look and we see how Jesus acted and he, what he said and how he loved, like that is God speaking to us. Um, and, and then second in the Bible, like Jesus takes the Bible and he shows how the whole Bible points to him. And so it is God's word living and active to us. Um, and so I, see and I hear God when I read the Bible and I'm in it and and I allow him to speak to me through that. And that goes into praying. As I pray through scripture, I feel like I take it from just head knowledge. Like, you know, you can read the Bible, you can know it, but it may not transfer down to your heart. You know, we see that in the Pharisees. And so I like to pray the word of God and ask God to take it from my head and transform my heart through the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, I, 
I do believe that God can speak through prophecy. I don't know, that doesn't happen often in my life. Um, but I think that the Bible supports that and that is to build up the church and his people. Um, but then I think God's voice is still and small. And so we may have the wrong expectations of what God's voice sounds like. We want it to be the big booming voice from, you know, that makes it really clear. And that's why we're saying, I haven't heard the voice of God. And, but really it's still and small. Like you think of Samuel hearing and being like, running and, and looking, like thinking that Eli had called him. And he had to, that had to happen multiple times until he said like, here I am, like, Lord, speak to me. I'm your servant's here. Like, and so I, I pray that, that, I pray those words, like, Lord, your servant's here, like, speak. I, I want to have ears to hear you because like Caesar said, our world is full of noise and voices and distraction and our attentions are taken. And are we creating a spot that is still and quiet for God to even even speak for us to hear, like for us to have ears to hear. Um, and, and sometimes that's just a feeling as we're reading the Bible or we're praying, or it's just a thought that pops into your mind. And it's simple and it's quick and we might overlook it. You might overlook it. And that's where we then take that and we hold that against, is this like Jesus? Is this like God's character? Is this align with the Bible, do my, you know, and you take those thoughts and you hold it against that. And then it's, God does speak. So think, do I believe that God speaks? And do I actually believe that God wants to speak to me? Because he does. He wants to. He desires that relationship with you. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the next question to you. I just want to answer this quickly because I want you to, I'm, I'll explain for a second. But <laughs> I promise, I'm not trying to just cut you off. I just, uh, but because of time as well. Um, so I, and I say this with tentativeness, yet confidence, uh, there's only been one time in my life where I truly believe uh, I heard the audible voice of God. Uh, I was in college at the time. Um, and I will say, and I say this not so that anyone can think that I'm doing it to be contentious. Like, haha, I heard, Yeah. I don't long because I did it, you know, like, uh, but I, I, Christians say a lot of things, yeah, y'all. It's true. It's true. Um, and it's something that I, that I had to wrestle with for a long time, but it was something that changed the trajectory of my entire life. Cause I was absolutely going the, it was very much like, uh, the Ninevites is like there, they, Jonah needed to, God needed to tell Jonah to go the opposite direction. Otherwise he was going to blow it. And that was where my life was heading. My life was heading in, there was whatever God had, I felt God was revealing about my life to me. I was going, I was doing everything I could to go the opposite direction. And so there's one time where I heard it and it was very clear and it terrified me. Like not terrified, like I'm scared if I don't do it, but more of, oh my gosh, I truly believe this is the, this is the voice of God over my life. But I, I, I do want to say we, we get the impression sometimes about hearing the voice of God or prophecy and expect that to be the norm. But when you read all the, like all the events of it happening, especially in the Old Testament, you're like, well, these guys just heard it all the time. When you read the time, like the timestamp of when they heard God speak, it would be one thing in a decade. 
And it was one message. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the guy that God sends to say, if you don't turn back from what you're doing, he's going to blow you up. Like, I don't want to be that. Like, that's like the worst, that's the biggest party pooper ever. Like I hear the voice of God and, I, and the only thing I get to tell people is if you don't repent, you, you get blown up. That, that, like, that's not even fun. Like, that's not what we think about when you think about the word uh, hearing from God. So it's not the norm. However, I do want to leave it open to the fact of that God can. And so can you long for it? I think yes, but God has spoken sufficiently through his son, Jesus, um, through his word. And he is moving in you through the spirit to be obedient. And so sometimes my biggest encouragement, if, if any of you here are waiting to do the next thing, until, waiting for God to say something so pointed in your life for you to do it, I would encourage you to just go and do it. Like if God, like if you're waiting for the, the booming voice, I, I would imagine the spirit of God has already told you to go do it. You just need to submit and be obedient. Um, so that's my encouragement in all of that. Yes, Jade, I, I'm not gonna tell you no. <laughs> um, I would like to suggest, because um, I feel like this question is very often asked or it's, you know, some version of this. And I would suggest a less, um, a, an approach that's less a self-awakening right? Less of this, like, can I build to this point that I can finally hear God? Because I think sometimes that question is sometimes the intention of it, right? The agenda of it. Because then you want to hear from someone who says they have heard from God, and then you want to know their, um, their spiritual lineup, you know, what their qualifications are or whatever. And so oftentimes when we'll get into this with spiritual gifts, I'm sure in a second, but oftentimes we will compare experiences or, or compare gifts and maybe someone's on stage worshiping, but you have been giving, you know, your time and your money other places. Those are both gifts, right? But you might compare it. And so I will touch on that of just posturing yourself and really, again, reflecting, right? Going back to um, what's, are you abiding in the word? Are you praying constantly? Do you have godly counsel? Um, and understanding your posture more of why you're asking that question um, is it so that you can be a better, you know, Christian or, un, you know, whatever, something to get you climbing some sort of ladder that doesn't exist? Because um, I will say my testimony is very unique in the sense of I have been talking about God since I was three and no one was teaching me about God. I didn't have anyone tell me the word God or the word Jesus or the gospel or any of that, and I was speaking about it. Um, and that honestly has carried throughout my life. Like I have different encounters where it goes back to the word. It goes back to um, God revealing things through thoughts or you know, through what I'm seeing in my mind, but it's not because you know X, Y, and Z. It's just, again, back to what we'll talk about spiritual gifts, but it's for the glory of God. It's what he's doing. It's less about us. It's not a self reliance thing. It's not a self-awareness thing. It's not a self-help or whatever. It's, it's literally God doing what he's doing and we are experiencing it in the fullness of abundance. Uh, we're, we're not going to talk about spiritual gifts right now, but it's totally say, fine. I'm just kidding. We'll but talk about it after. I, and um, Jen and Joel, I'd love for you to speak to this um, if you would. So uh, I, I mean, I come from a 
Pentecostal background. So I saw a lot of things um, said or done, experienced in gatherings like healings or prophecies or word of knowledge. And, and they would, it, would, it would be a weekly occurrence like this thing. And, and over time, I discovered that some, not, not all the time, and I don't want to discredit, there are many times where it was not true. It wasn't a true healing. It wasn't a true prophecy. It was just said that it was. Actually, even what I experienced it once, once because I used to play, if you guys didn't know, I used to do worship leading. And so I went to a camp once and I was playing keys. And I remember the, 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 the speaker, the whoever apostle evangelist guy, he like laid hands on me and said, I have a vision for you where you're going to write songs. And I was like, are you saying that because I'm a worship leader? Or are you saying that because God is saying that to you? my life couldn't have, like I did not ever want to write songs. I still don't. And not like out of spite. That's just like, I'm like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I will not write songs. <laughs> yeah. Anti-prophecy. It was just like, it, I, it wasn't true, you know? And, and so, but we're hearing about healings and prophecy and people um, coming to know Jesus in places like the Middle East, uh, in Africa, in third world countries where people are coming in droves to know Jesus through miraculous signs and wonders. Why does it seem though that in maybe the Western world, Western church in America, we don't see more healings and prophecies in our midst? Jen? (laughs) Specifically didn't ask me, by the way. (laughs) So I don't, well, one, I'm just going to back up just for a second. I grew up in a church tradition very different than what Caesar's saying. I definitely was in a church background that did, didn't probably outwardly say it, but was definitely acting that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit had ceased. Um, We didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. We knew it was part of the Trinity, but like it was this very impersonal Thing over here. Um, and I feel like uh, as I grew in, into an adulthood and I felt this stirring that there was more, like I was like, I'm, I feel like this is, I'm missing something. Um, and I started doing a whole bunch of reading and research and study of God's word. And I like, I feel like I don't know what we're saying, like the Lord said, but like, I really feel like the Lord opened my eyes to uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think, this would be my answer. I don't know if it's correct. Joel, I would love for you to jump in, but like, I also feel like- I'm waiting for you to give the correct answer. (laughs) I think the West is very (laughs) intellectual. We want an answer. We- and also, I really feel like it is the enemy splitting the church. Like, we have these two sides. One thinks that, you know, a charismatic background are unintelligent. You know, they're not, they're, they're, they don't know the word of God and vice versa, that they don't, they won't, anything with emotion is wrong. The spirit you know, it's been abused on both sides. And so it's really missing the fullness of the Godhead. And so it's really like this radical. I saw this book title the other day. It was called The Radical Middle. And I thought like, wow, this is, it is both. It is 
the word of God is true and everything is held to it, but it's, it's also the spirit empowered in us to do God's work. Um, and I, you know, I think we are, we see just what's around us. We see just here in this, you know, the U.S. and North America when the whole world is, there's so many parts of it that are experiencing God in big, big ways. And so I don't think it's, he's not doing miraculous signs and wonders here. It's, I don't think it's the norm always. I don't think that's the norm in the Bible either, how that plays out, but I don't know. Just, that would be some thoughts. Yeah, I would agree with all of those, those thoughts for sure. Um, yeah, I think Western people, we're, we are a little bit more like we, we want an answer. I think we want uh, logic. We want um, it to fit kind of neatly into our worldview. Um, and miracles don't really fit anyone's worldview really well, um, uh, especially on this side of the ocean. And I think, um, so I think it's partly like the posture of humans, right? Um, but God can also interrupt that posture. Um, like, you know, you look at the, the great awakening here in the United States where um, many, many miraculous uh, uh, things, stories were told of um, God at work in miraculous ways on really kind of the full spectrum of the, the, um, uh, the denominational um, uh, range here in the United States. So it was kind of like everyone was looking around going like, God is at work, you know? Um, and so God can break into that, but I do think there is something to what you're saying there in terms of generally the heart posture of humanity, you know? Um, I think uh, like there's, there's um, so many parables where Jesus talks about desperation um, and, and having a heart of desperation um, and what that, that, what that does um, and, and how God actually um, really does respond to that. Um, he does um, take notice and see and meet people in their desperation uh, so often. And I think Americans are often not very desperate. Um, and that's, that's, I think, a thing. You know, I don't know how much of a thing it is, but it's a thing. Um, and then I would also say, like, maybe taking a, another step back of rather than just simply starting with like, why don't these happen so frequently here versus somewhere else? I think that's a presupposition anyway. But I, but I would also say that, that there is um, something in scripture that leads us to, uh, that leads me to believe as I read scripture, that there is something about the door of the gospel being opened um, and the authentication of the preaching of the gospel um, via signs and wonders. Um, that doesn't mean signs and wonders are always done when the gospel is preached. I'll give an example. Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's up on his uh, little carriage. Is he on a carriage? That's what's, what's happening in my mind when I read that. I don't know where he is. He's on a horse. I don't know. He's somewhere. He's a eunuch. I know that for sure. And he's Ethiopian. And he's on his way to Ethiopia and he's reading out loud the scroll of Isaiah. And Philip uh, comes alongside him and hears him reading Isaiah. 
And he says, do you know what you're reading about? And the eunuch says, how can I, unless somebody explains it to me? Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced an open door for the gospel, but that's one of them, okay? Like if you ever happen upon someone in like a lobby, a waiting room, a coffee shop, and they're like reading the Bible aloud, and you ask them if they understand what they're reading, and they say, how can I, unless somebody explains it? You have an opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus, just so you know. So then Philip explains, hey, what you're reading is about Jesus. And then the Ethiopian eunuch, he's like, well, what, what stops me from being baptized? And Philip's like, well, there's, you know, he says, there's water. What stops me? And Philip's like, nothing. So he baptizes them. And then the, then the miracle happens after that. <laughs> then he's like, all of a sudden, I don't know, 40 miles away. It's crazy. He's like translated by the Holy Spirit to another place. It's like Star Trek in the book of Acts. It's awesome. <laughs> But, but there is something about signs and wonders and miracles um, that accompany open doors for the gospel into new frontiers. And man, if you read stories from missionaries or from uh, you know, people who are connected to the Middle East right now, God is at work uh, converting Islamic people to Jesus, to the gospel, and he's doing it in miraculous ways. And that's beautiful, and we should celebrate that. And, and so I do think there's also something to this idea. And actually, if we get into the conversation about continuationists and cessationists, people who fall on kind of the cessationist side who say like, uh, the sign or the miraculous gifts are not for today. They're really just for the open door of the gospel. That is kind of an argument they'll make is that the purpose of spiritual gifts or the, the purpose of signs and wonders is to open the door for the gospel. And I think there's actually truth in that, but that doesn't necessarily mean we should then come to the conclusion that that's the only purpose of miracles, signs, and wonders or spiritual gifts. So, and there's not a pushback. It's just genuine conversation as I talk with or hear from people from Gen, Gen Z or even just even when I watch like Christian TikTok, as much as it cringes me to say that's a thing, it is. But there seems to be this, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think this generation desires an authentication of the power of the gospel. And it seems to be that there's a desire to see signs and wonders. And, and so I wonder, is there a way to balance the conversation where it's saying desire signs and wonders but don't do it void of this either. Like where, where is the power of the spirit, but also the word of truth that the spirit guides us to. And cause, cause I think it's, I don't think it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wrestle with it. Is it wrong for them to want verification of the power of God through the work of the spirit, through signs and wonders, through healings, through the, but also guiding them to truth in scripture? Yeah, I would say what Jesus said there is that a wicked and crooked generation demands a sign. Um, it's, so, so I would say that first, maybe to frame this. Um, and then secondly, I would say this, like our posture as followers of Jesus, our, like your responsibility and my responsibility as follower of Jesus is to preach the gospel. That is my responsibility. It is not my responsibility to produce a sign, to produce a wonder, to display a spiritual gift, to do anything like that. That's God's, God's sovereign ability and God's sovereign will. And we get in the most trouble when we try to conjure th things up 
or, um, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing, this experience that you, that you described where, man, if, yeah, I, I'm going to get on a diatribe if I'm not careful. So I will just say that, that first of all, to balance out like how much should, should they or need they or whatever, like they're a wicked and perverse generation that de- demands a sign. That is a reality. We all want something empirical that says, well, now I have to believe and, and, and prove it to me. And so I think our responsibility as Christians is to just proclaim the gospel because uh, the scripture tells us that it is what? The power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. We don't need to add anything to that. If God chooses to use signs and wonders and miracles to authenticate his message, that is God's absolute sovereign choice and he can do that. Just to clarify, though, you're not saying Gen Z is necessarily a perverse and wicked generation. You're saying anybody, like any generation, like this has been no, true. No, yeah, of all I'm definitely saying particularly Gen Z <laughs> are the worst. And this concludes you know? our panel going, night tonight. Yeah. Uh, no, no, absolutely. I would say, I would say that is that is uh, true of humanity as a whole. What Jesus is saying is human beings that a people who would true. look at God and say, unless you prove to me through XYZ, I'm not going to believe. That's the, um, that's the wickedness of our heart right. being revealed through that. Right. I would, uh, I agree with Joel and I don't think this is what he's saying, but it, I also just want to encourage you that if your heart is not like, God, give me a sign of miracle or give me a miraculous gifting so you can prove yourself to me, but like, so that I, your heart actually is so that I can use this for your body. Like, it's okay. Like Paul writes, like we should earnestly be desiring those gifts. So if you feel like that is on your heart, like pray that to the Lord. Like I prayed that those prayers for a long time and it is, Paul is writing that. So also think that it's okay that you can pray for those things if your heart posture is right. I, can I? Okay. Um, Right now, you could think about maybe your last few days or week and maybe think about what you did. A lot of you, maybe you went to get coffee with a friend and you paid for their coffee. A lot of you maybe encouraged someone in your life. Um, You maybe shared the gospel. Um, I can make a list of examples, but you can kind of reflect maybe later of like, what did your week look like? What did you do? And that's God using you. That's God using you as a vessel. That is, that is not this big thing that is like, you know, feeding 5,000 people. But the Holy Spirit is alive and present in that moment and equipping you with the gifts to then display it for his glory. I say that and I ask that question for you to reflect on of like, what have I done this past few days and um, less of a performance evaluation and more of like, you know, where is God um, showing up and how am I being obedient? Because that is the beauty of the fact that the Holy Spirit is very present in our everyday life. And we don't have to manifest these big things to create this sign and wonder Cause then I go, what Joel just said, like that's evil. That's for a different agenda. But if you are actually like, God, I, I want to see this person know you, 
right? I want to um, do this, I, you know, which, whichever spiritual gift or whatever you feel like you're, in, like you want to worship, whatever it is. There are spiritual disciplines you can take part in, but then you can also reflect on your life and see what qualities has God already given you? Like you look at Paul's life, he was so zealous already when he was Saul, right? He was just like this go-getting person for the wrong mission, for the wrong intentions. And when he was saved and his name was changed to Paul, God redeemed those qualities for his glory. And so I would suggest that, you know, coming out of this series and this night, and um, I think a lot of the tension that Christians are carrying like Joel joked around, like, why can't Jesus just show up and just be like, you're all saved? Like, we want these answers, like we've been talking about tonight, and we want these things, but really checking your heart and really checking your trust and belief in who the Holy Spirit is, right? Because that's what we're talking about tonight. Who the Holy Spirit is, how close is he? What's his presence? What, like, really... um going back to some of the, I got a chance to listen to some of the podcasts and I mean, it's answered there. You know, it's a really great starting place um, and sitting place to really reflect and open the word and see what it says. Um, because I think it's um, Ephesians, Romans and first Corinthians, but um, talks a little bit about spiritual gifts. I know that wasn't a question, but, um, but it kind of, it kind of breaks it down sort of into like the, the gifts that minister, Right. I think that's in Ephesians. The gifts that are more so the motivators, right? The exhorting, um, the generosity that's in Romans. And then the manifestations, these signs and wonders and these beautiful things in 1 Corinthians. And so you can go and read about those things. It's there, but you don't have to require God to only do the ones in the 1 Corinthians, because the Christian everyday life, a lot of us are doing a lot of the motivating parts, right? The exhorting, the generosity. And we're doing other things too, but my point is not to fixate and not to try and manufacture a moment so that you can say you did it too. I, I love that last point of like, the, when I think about the life of the church throughout history, it wasn't sustained by miracles it was sustained by the proclamation of Jesus Christ alone. And, and something from, and as a sharing, honestly, for me, I'm a, what I like to recall, to call myself recovering charismatic, where like I was really believed the fruits of uh, the fruits of the spirit, no, gifts of the spirit, miraculous ones ceased, had much disdain towards it because I'd seen it abused and that's not right way to see it anyway. But, what I have to remember is every time I'm tempted to want to see these signs and wonders in greater capacity, I, have, I am reminded that every believer who's been restored and redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ is a walking sign and wonder because the greatest miracle is salvation. To go from death to life is a miracle. It is a sign and wonder. And so I'm a sign and wonder. You're a sign, like if you've been, if you put your faith in Jesus and have come from spiritual death to life, you are a walking sign and wonder. And so if you ever want to look and for a sign of God doing work, uh, go and look in the mirror. Like, like it might actually make you feel more beautiful. Like the fact that you like, you are reminded yourself that God does work. 
And so um, as we kind of wrap up um, the evening, as a couple more questions, and I think some of them are a little bit more practical about what it means to live life with the Spirit. Um, and so one of the big questions that we had asked was, what, is it, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is there a difference between receiving it for salvation and receiving it for the baptism of the Spirit, as it's said in some circles or in some passages of Scripture? Um, anyone's open to, to kind of jump in on that one? So I'll just start by saying, <clears throat> uh, and and I don't know who wrote this question, and, and I, this is not in any way to um, uh, to yeah. I just want to be like recognize all of us. We're all on a journey. We're we're walking, you know, in in terms of how we understand who God is and all of that. And so, um, man, I I do want to say for all of you guys who have been willing to ask questions, man, thank you so much. Like this gives us such a great opportunity uh, to have these discussions. Um, but yeah, when we, when we think about, you know, um, the Holy Spirit filling us, uh, the Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. Um, the Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. Um, he's the third person of the Trinity. Um, and so being filled with the Holy Spirit is not some sort of like potion power for our lives. You know, like um, we think of like being charged with a battery. Um, you know, I need my, my like cup of coffee in the morning and my like time with God. And so I can be filled up by the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is, is God within us, uh, indwelling us. And when we're saved, um, we get all of him. We don't get a little bit of him. We get all of the Holy Spirit when we're saved. However, scripture also commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, in, in fact, it says, do not be filled with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Galatians, Paul talks about not sowing to the flesh, but instead sowing to the spirit. And so I think this question is such a great question. And, and I would encourage the person who asked it um, because I think you're, you're wrestling with this idea of like, okay, what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit and also need the Holy Spirit? And I think that's a posture like we always should be in. Is <laughs> like, I have him and I need more of him, Right. So like relationally, I, I, in Christ, because of faith in Jesus, I am united with the spirit of God and he is in me and I am in him, right? And so relationally speaking, there's nothing I can do to separate myself from that. There's no failure, no sin, no, you know, uh, frustration or struggle or, or any of those things that will cause the Holy Spirit to leave me, Right. And at the same time, if I'm spending my time, energy, and effort sowing to, you know, Netflix and TikTok and whatever else we can spend our time, sports, what, you know, whatever else that, and I'm talking about like, you know, I'm a pastor. I get paid to like read my Bible, you know, um, which is not fully true and kind of is, but like, it's hard in this world 
to sow to the spirit. It's easy in this world to sow to the flesh. And so I think the heart of this question is like, what does it mean, you know, to, to be filled with the spirit? How should we seek being filled with the spirit? And I think um, Jen touched on it earlier when she talked about her in her time with the Lord, like desiring him, desiring more of him, desiring the gifts that he gives, all of those things. Uh, um, when Jade was talking about, you know, the spiritual disciplines, those are posturing ourselves in a place where we can be filled up by the spirit of God rather than sowing to the flesh, which is easy to do, right? That's why it's called spiritual disciplines, right? Sowing to the flesh is easy. Sowing to the spirit, uh, it, it, it's work and, it's, and it, it's, it's hard. And it's not that we earn the spirit of God. We've already been given the spirit of God through, by grace, through faith in Jesus, right? But there is a, a command that scripture gives us to, to, to press into more of what we already have in Christ. I'm going to ask one question each to the remaining for you two. Um, Jen, I would love for you to ask, answer the question, should I be brought to a point of physical emotion through repentance since the spirit lives with me, within me? So I think the heart of this is like, and I, and I, I can understand this, like when we're in a worship gathering and Sometimes it is point, points of like repentance. Like, I, I'm so sorry that I've sinned, Lord, and you start weeping. Or there's moments where they, like, there's almost an emotional response uh, to what's going on in the gathering. Should that be the expected result because the spirit of God lives inside of you that in moments like a worship gathering or moments of repentance, that there's a emotional response elicited from that? Um, if I'm understanding the question correctly, um, I don't think that there's like this formula in this like exact way you're supposed to act. Um, I think that looks differently for each of us. And I feel like it's kind of like the standard answer, but also the true answer is like, it's a matter of our heart. Like, um, Should we be grieved by our sin? Yes. Should we, we shouldn't be flippant and, you know, does that mean you're crying face down on the floor? Maybe not. Maybe yes. It may be, it is, that is how you respond to it. Maybe that's, maybe not your nature, but you still feel that, like your heart grieves, you know, your sin before a holy God um, in worship is, you know, we, I talked about this when we were talking about worship a couple weeks ago, you know, and I told a story of me wanting to raise my hands in church, but I felt embarrassed. Um, it wasn't that you have to raise your hands in church. That's, that wasn't the heart of it. It was, my heart was telling me I wanted to, but my flesh was like, you should be embarrassed. Don't do that. Um, and so me, maybe that is you, maybe you want to raise your hands in worship, but maybe you don't need to do that. But it's, just where is your heart in surrender to God? And, and where is that calling you to act out of that? You know, So I don't think that it's, you have to be super emotional. I don't think you have to be, have to act any certain way. Uh, it's just, what is the Lord 
saying to you in that moment? Where is your heart before God um, and where is that leading you? Jade, uh, there's a question I wanted to ask you earlier, but I want to finish with this because I think sometimes when we think about how the spirit interacts with us, it's almost like this always has to be like some kind of religious experience or moment. Um, but knowing you and we've been friends for a while, you, you've worked at a, you've worked here before and you've we're doing social media. Um, you've worked outside of here, working at Starbucks and other places. And, but now you're working at a church again, but doing HR, you know, helping people get their bills paid and all those things, which doesn't necessarily feel like, like, a pastoral job per se, right? Like it doesn't feel like there's spiritual implication to your job, yet the spirit of God lives inside of you. How would you say experiencing working in both in like in a church experience outside the church, how have you seen the spirit of God work and move in you, through you, in all like in just these different spaces? Because what I want people to know is like, the spirit of God works in all of us and is, is manifest and expressed more than just the church space, but is meant to be for everyday life, whether it's the holy extraordinary or the holy ordinary moments. Put that TM. Um, great question. I'll try not to cry. Because that's just, I don't know, like, I just love talking about that. And that's so close to what I feel like is happening in my life right now. It's just this everyday life with the Holy Spirit, right? If I'm understanding the question, is like, what is that? How do you do it? Um, and I would say, well, I would ask first. Um, you don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you are exhausted? You know, you're tired. People still raise their hands. They're like, yeah, I'll admit it. Um, But many of us have been in a season of exhaustion and just feeling like, you know, this self-reliance thing is not working out. We're trying to depend on the Lord. We're trying to depend on somebody giving us an answer so we just know what to do. Um, Crying out to the Lord and not knowing, you know, what to do next. And I would suggest that in every area of work that I've had, but also just as a person, um, the last 11 years of my life as a believer and follower, um, it was this awareness of the Holy Spirit and this, um, like the Holy Spirit is a person who is with you always, living inside of you, there to help. Um, And in each moment, say, if I'm working at Starbucks, working at like 4.30 in the morning, shout out to the baristas. Um, but, you know, that's not just me. It's not just me working. I'm carrying the literal aroma of Christ with me. I'm, I am this, the door that Joel's talking about. Like I'm walking with like a door, you know, like I'm ready to talk about it. Already, people are experiencing me differently no matter what they're going to because I have the Holy Spirit with me at all times. And the moment that we get to acknowledge that goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier is like, think about the last week for you or think about work or school. What are you doing 
Now acknowledge that the spirit is with you at all times. And so what I'm trying to say is in those moments, it's not just me showing up for work in this thing we called life as though it's a game and then we run out and then we die. That's not what it is. Like I am literally on mission, right? I'm active. I am aware of who God is. I'm aware of the mission. I'm aware of the, co- the commander, right? Um, and I'm going in and I'm not going to limit what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm, I'm limiting him. Like what I mean by that is I'm going to be very um, expectant of God working. And so practically, what does that look like? It means when you, when you do things, um, when you go to work, when you are introduced, you know, you're making a first impression or whatever, what's your character look like? You know, are you gossiping? Are you lying? Are you, you know, all these different things? Like, because you are literally allowing other people to experience God. And so if you are this vessel and you yourself are not aware of who made you a vessel, then you are going to think, one, you might think that you're amazing and that everyone thinks you're a great vessel. (laughs) Wow, I'm so great. Or another thing you might do is you might start to work off of, you know, this performance scale of I need to really work really hard so people accept me, whatever. Um, And so, and another really big thing too is in workspaces and in home life and friendships, whatever, each space, it is um, realizing that when you lean into utilizing what God has given you, right? So we talked about it before, those qualities that like are there and God is using you in those spaces. Like maybe you're super outgoing and you make people feel like they're not strangers, you know, things like that. Or maybe you are more quiet, but you're able to really hear people when they're talking to you, like you sit and you listen to them. Um, Going to the Lord and saying, God, use me, you know, let me be your vessel today. I'm so excited. And then go and be a part of that because that's nourishing to you. That's nourishing to them. And so when I asked, are you exhausted? Oftentimes we're exhausted because we're not, we're not nourishing ourselves and we're not nourishing others and living in this community and dependent on the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Because if you are fully dependent, aware, leaning on, not on yourself, but on the Holy Spirit, then when I, when, if I'm doing that, then when I go to work and I'm literally at my desk for eight hours doing things like taxes and numbers and auditing, I am doing that because, and I'm, I'm showing up with that, with a posture that is expectant that the Lord is going to do things because I believe he's that big and that he can do anything. And the moments that I doubt that, I have a conversation with myself like, hey, remember what he did yesterday and the day before and the day before? And that's the Holy Spirit guiding that conversation. He's guiding that, coming back to, he's guiding that opportunity. And so then if somebody comes in and I'm in the middle of working, which we've all been in the middle of something and someone comes in and interrupts, right? We don't say, hold on, I, uh, I'm working. We don't cut off those opportunities to share God with one another to nourish them and to nourish ourselves. Because if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, 
he is at work at all times. And I was listening to a, one of the podcasts, I think it was Brady speaking on it, but he was talking about the breath. He was like, hello, like that one. If you guys were here for that, but he was talking about like the breath, like the vibration you feel on your hand or whatever. And like the, the feeling, like that's the Holy Spirit. Like he used that as an analogy to say that's, you know, he's there at all times, every breath. He, you know, he is there sustaining that moment. So all that to say, that's it. Well, this is uh, the end of our panel and I hope it was encouraging. It was practical. It was helpful. Uh, you can walk away feeling more confident knowing a person of the Trinity in, in depth, not just knowing Father, Son, but also Holy Spirit. And, and uh, as, we, as we wrap up here today, my greatest encouragement to you would be this. Um, you have been provided the presence and power of God in your daily life through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and honestly, I, I love Gen Z a lot. I love the zealousness and the direction and the possibility that exists. But all too often I hear how bored you are. And I, I would submit to you, I wonder, would your life be so boring if you knew that God could do amazing things through your everyday at ordinary moments? Like, would you feel so bored? Would you feel so purposeless if you knew that just submitting to the spirit on your daily, on your daily drive, on your daily, whatever it might be, that you could see miracles happen? Like, I cannot wait to see what God does through this community. Uh, but just know that the power of God exists and dwells inside of you through the power of this Holy Spirit. Um, and that he exists also for you to know that you are loved, cared for deeply by the Father himself. And so may your everyday be different because of that. And may your whole life be different because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So we'll wrap up with that tonight. Let's uh, put our hands together for our panelists. Thanks again for spending some time with us on the Mosaic Young Adults Podcast. Our hope for you is that Jesus will use the message you just received and direct your heart completely towards Him. If you want to hear more messages like this one, please feel free to check out past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes.